If you were, if you were with us all week, you know that, that Rashid had an appetite that couldn't be satisfied. <laughs> so, are you thankful that God is our creator? Are you thankful to know that today? To know that without a shadow of a doubt? The reality is that this world, it really challenges that idea. Uh, this world really sees this idea of God as a creator as a negotiable idea. But, but we've learned, our junior investigators have learned this out throughout this week, that that is something that is Bible truth and we can stand firmly upon it. Um, today I want us just to kind of open our Bibles to a few passages of Scripture that really remind us of why, why this is such a critical thing. And so we're just going to start with the word of prayer and dive right into it, all right? Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you today that we can look to you not just as an idea, but as the God who actually created us. Lord, it's the seventh day. It's the Sabbath day. It's the day that you've called us to remember that we didn't create ourselves, but you did. And so, God, as we open up the Bible that speaks to us, we pray that you would send us your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, let the family say, Amen. Amen. It's in Genesis chapter 2. You may remember it. Go ahead and turn there. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, obviously it comes right after Genesis chapter 1, right? And in Genesis chapter 1, we see that story of God as a master artist. God using his booming mega voice, and he calls out, let there be light, and there was light. And just at the sound of his word, Adam's moved. Uh, chemicals uh, moved. They came together at the sound of God's mega voice. And you can see it. Day one, he, he separates light from darkness. Day two, uh, sea and sky. Day three, he gathers the sea and dry land appears. And he's really serving as a master artist, kind of setting up the background, you know, light, dark, sea, sky, dry land, and seas. And then day four, five, and six, God starts filling in the details into his backdrop. You know, in the light and dark, God actually puts the sun, moon, and stars. And then with the sky and the seas, God puts birds and fish. Details. He goes from background to details. And then day six, on the dry land, he puts animals. And then he stops just calling things into existence. And you know what he does next? He gets down. He gets down and he forms man from what? The dust of the ground. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, the Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the what? The breath of life. And man became a living being. So this week of miracles, miracles without end, God does the biggest miracle at the end. He forms man, a lifeless body, and there's the form without the life force until God breathes into the man. Do you catch it? Without the force, without his life breath, that form would lay lifeless, hopeless. But when God breathes, then that body becomes a living being. That's the miracle of you and me. You know that when this breath leaves, we're just going to decompose, right? We're going to go back to the earth. 
But God has given us. He is the master creator. He's put breath into our body and boom, <laughs> there is life. God created the universe. Wow. That's right. That's right. <laughs> now go with me to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 37, because here in Genesis chapter 2, we have God doing this awesome miracle in a paradise, but in Ezekiel chapter 37, God is doing another miracle in a dry valley. Ezekiel, it's right after Jeremiah Lamentations. Go to the book of Ezekiel. If you're there, say amen. All right, still looking for it. Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. And this time, God is in this dry valley. Just paint the picture in your mind. Watch the movie if you're a visual person. God approaches Ezekiel. He picks him up by the Spirit of the Lord and takes him to a dry valley. And according to verses 1, 2, and 3, this dry valley is full of what? Bones. Not just any bone, but dry bones. These dry bones have been laying out in the sun in a hot summer day in Modesto. Okay. Now, <laughs> Maybe not Modesto. We're talking about Valley. Maybe Bakersfield. Okay. All right. So, so here it is. God asks Ezekiel a question in verse 3. Ezekiel 37 verse 3. It says, he said to me, son of man. A title just kind of reminding Ezekiel of his mortality. It says, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, oh Lord God, you know. No one's ever asked Ezekiel this question before. So God is about to do something impossible. Verse 4, and again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now, in Genesis chapter 2, when atoms and chemicals heard the word of the Lord, what happened? A miracle, right? And watch what happens. Verse 5, thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. And so Ezekiel, being the humble servant that he is, not quite sure where this is going to go, he goes ahead. He says, all right, I'll preach to bones. I've never preached to bones before. Some preachers may feel like they're doing just that, but not here at Parkwood. Not here at Parkwood. So he's preaching to bones. And what happens when the word of the Lord makes contact with lifeless matter? Bones start rattling. Ezekiel's having to dodge and duck because bones are connecting to bones. This valley of dry bones, all of a sudden things are connected and there are bodies that take shape. But there's no life in them yet. It says in verse 8, Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no what? No breath in them. Also, God said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these, my Bible says, slain. In other words, these individuals, these bodies, once before had life. And so it's not just the creation of new life, it's the recreation of life we're talking about. Breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied, verse 10, as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. And here, in this valley of dry bones, 
This miracle that Ezekiel is seeing in vision is drawing from the same imagery that God performed in Genesis chapter 2. In the paradise, in Genesis chapter 2, God had a form and then he breathed the force. God put a body together and then he breathed breath into him and then there was life. And in Ezekiel, same thing. There's form. Bones are connected to bones. Flesh is put over them. There's a body, but no breath. And when body meets breath, then there's the miracle. Now the difference is that with creation, that was the beginning of new life. But here in Ezekiel's experience, as he's watching this in vision, it's not the start of life, it's the restart. It's not the creation, it's the recreation. And notice the interpretation that God gives Ezekiel. Beginning in verse 11, it says, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, this is, what, this is their self-talk. This is their script that they've run through their minds. Remember, Ezekiel, he's speaking to captives who've been taken out into Babylon, taken out into captivity because they've disobeyed God. They've, they've run amok. And now they realize their poor condition. In verse 11, it says, Our bones are dry. Our hope is lost. And we ourselves are cut off. Now, if we were to have an honest moment, how many of us, have ever uttered words similar to that? How many of us have, our heart cries have gone up, God, have I just dropped off your radar screen? You know? Our hope is cut off. My bones are sucked dry. I feel like there's no hope. But then God says in verse 12, Therefore prophesy and say to them, That is the whole house of Israel, the people that feel cut off from God, hopeless. He says, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened up your graves. O my people, I love it, my people, he never lets go. Oh, my people, and brought you up from your graves, verse 14, and I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. And here, while Genesis chapter 2 shows us the creator God, Ezekiel 37 is showing us the recreator God. Now here's the point. This God as a recreator of new life, where it seems like hope is cut off, bones are sucked dry, this picture of Jesus Christ is contingent upon the picture of Jesus as creator. Do you recognize that if Jesus as creator is just a fairy tale, if Jesus as creator is just a myth, then Jesus as recreator, as someone who can give you and me new life today, is just as much a wish from Disneyland. Do you understand that? And so to say that, you know, Genesis 1 through 11, uh, you know, whether it's literal or not, I'm not so sure. You know, this, this, this kind of idea, actually it's pervaded not just Christian circles, it's pervaded Adventist circles as well. But friends, Jesus is the creator and recreator. In other words, if he has power to create, he's definitely got power to recreate. 
This is the very foundation of the gospel message. That's why it's no wonder. You remember when John begins writing his gospel, the gospel of John? Do you remember the words he uses at the very beginning? He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All things were created through him, and nothing was made that was made. The, the very foundation of the gospel itself is that Okay, if we ever have hope in Jesus as recreator, it's only because he's got power to create in the first place. Because he has power to create something out of nothing, he's definitely got power to make something out of me. Amen? And that's the bottom line. That's why. That's why it's so connected. That's why in Corinthians, Paul picks up the refrain. He's like, oh, the God who commanded the light out of darkness has shown in our hearts the knowledge of the glory of Jesus Christ. And then in the next chapter, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. The only reason we can have any hope to be a new creation in Jesus is because he was the one who created us in the first place. And so, at the end of this investigation station, the question is, how many of us want to be recreated? <laughs> Amen. How many of us want to see the miracle of Jesus' first act of creating something out of nothing repeated in our own lives day by day? Amen. And the promise of 2 Corinthians 5.17 is real. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Did you catch the condition? The promise is new creation. The condition is if anyone is in Christ. So now the better question is, how many of us are in Christ? Or what does it really mean to be in Christ? You know, I can be in a suit, but how do I be in Christ? How do I step into the life of Jesus? Well, it happens by faith. Amen? Not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit. It doesn't happen by any work that you do. Because God creates something out of nothing. <laughs> so recreation doesn't happen because I've merited it, but simply because I've accepted it in Christ. How else do I step into Christ? Well, I think we've seen it very visibly outside in the baptistry. Our friends have stepped into Christ. They've walked in the waters of baptism. They've buried their lives in Christ and come out new so that they can walk in newness of life. They're in Christ today. And I pray that by faith, we are in Christ today. And you know what? I, I should have maybe asked this question earlier. But maybe there's someone here today who hasn't actually made the conscious, intentional decision to be in Christ. To have your life totally hidden in the life of Christ. To be buried in a watery grave so that you could be resurrected to newness of life. And so today, friends, if that's you, please, please don't wait. Jesus is available to make new life in you today. These friends at Vacation Bible School, I know, they've been talking about baptism in the last 24 hours. Some, obviously, are a little too early for that. But we can start now, and that journey doesn't have to stop. <laughs> and so today, friends, if you desire to live a new life in Christ by faith, whether that's by baptism or simply by the conscious and intentional prayer of faith today, 
I would just give you permission to go ahead and stand to your feet. Join me because I want to stand and say, look, I want to live in Christ today. If that's your desire, to be recreated in Christ, go ahead and stand with me to your feet. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. As we stand to our feet, some of us may still be contemplating, do I really want to be in Christ? Friends, you'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. So we're going to bow our heads in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we recognize that life started with you and it always restarts with you. God, today maybe some of us came in like dry bones. Maybe some of us came in wondering, you know, what, what, the, what is the point? Maybe some of us have come in confused, wondering what your call is for our lives. And today, God, I pray that you would cause us to look back and see you as the creator. Please reveal Jesus Christ to our hearts and minds today as the one who creates and the one who desires to recreate today. God, we're standing to our feet because whether or not we jump in the waters of baptism today, God, we, we want to stand in Christ. We want to hide our lives in the life of Christ. And so please, take off the old and put on the new. Please fulfill the promise of 2 Corinthians that it wouldn't just be wishful thinking, but that truly, if I am in Christ today, I am a new creation. Thank you, Jesus, for the example of our young people. And I pray, Father, that today, as we walk out of this sanctuary, we would constantly walk in the living presence of the living Christ. In Jesus' name, let the family say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Again, at this point, our kids are going to be walking out, and if you have an offering that you would like to contribute, if you have an offering you'd like to contribute, uh, they'll be collecting that on the way out. There's also a treasure box in the foyer. God bless. We'll see you at Potluck.